Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. What would have been another option for Jacob to have proposed? I called Joe the one he could have proposed to his family. Now what could he have proposed to Esau? Yeah. How about another one? Take another card, Clinton. (laughs) Okay. All right. He could have turned to Esau and said, Esau, my family and animals can't go that fast, so why don't you what? No, that's what he did do. (laughs) Why don't you slow down? Why don't you slow down and take the pace of my family? You know, just change your pace. Just change your pace for us, you know? Now, (laughs) if he had said that, that would not have been considered 400 men that Esau had, you know, and of course, you know, they got to burn off that big breakfast they eat every morning. So, you know, that would have been inconsiderate them. Okay, option three, option three would have been to turn to his family and say what? Pick up the pace, <laughs> right? Let's pick up the pace, right? Everyone pick up the pace. I can spend more time with Esau. In other words, this would have been Jacob dragging his family to keep up with Esau's pace. I know Christians who don't want to miss out on church functions, so they drag their families to church, you know? Consideration must be the rule. Now, Jacob, he takes option four, which was the choice of consideration. He considers Esau as 400 men, doesn't want to slow him down, considers his children and his family, And in the next two verses, then, he tells us that he had separated his interests, being consideration, separated his interests from the interest of of Esau and family and looked at him and the animals. And so this idea of consideration is to separate our interests from the interest of others, just as Jacob did. When we do that, when Jacob did that, when we do that, then there is a fulfillment of Philippians 2.4. Philippians 2, 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I mean, Jacob was excited naturally. He felt excitement. But when he looked at his children and his animals and he felt their weakness, then he fulfills Romans 15, 1. He fulfills Romans 51. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. When Jacob made that decision, Jacob decided not to seek his own And Jacob fulfilled that part in the great love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, charity, love, seeks not her own. Now, now we see the reason why Jacob took this option four, which was really the choice of consideration, and he made this choice for option four because he's being considerate, not just of people, his, his family, but also of animals. And that's described as a righteous person in Proverbs 12, 10. A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. 
but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Now, Jacob describes the children, his children to Esau, when he says in verse 13, the children are tender. The children are tender. With that statement, Jacob looks at the condition. He says, they're tender. The word tender is used to describe the special mercies of the Lord. They're called tender mercies. Not just mercies, but tender mercies. And David was the greatest in the Psalms. We find this term most used there, tender mercies of the Lord, Racham. And so it's referring to, David's almost always referring to the tender mercies of the Lord in relation to forgiving our sins. See, we get a picture from Jacob here of when God forgives our sins because of his tender mercies. Just as Jacob, he turns and he looks, he considers how weak the children were. He calls them tender. And then, in other words, he means they're weak, they're vulnerable, and he makes compensation for the children. So God considers our weak state, and therefore, because of his tender mercies, he forgives us, as it says in Psalm 103. 11, Psalm 103, 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, that's a scene for Jacob and his children, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. And then it says, and it speaks about the history of Israel when, you know, in Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is, you can't read Psalm 78 with going, oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. They did that. They did that. They did that. It's kind of a recap of, uh, of what you in the first five books, Moses. But anyways, in Psalm 78, it gives kind of a summary of what happened in verse 37, Psalm 78, verse 37, where it says, their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant, but... He, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. See, that's what the tender mercies of God are are all about. It's considering our weaknesses to sin and forgiving us because of his tender mercies. In Psalm 25, 6, Psalm 25, verse 6, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have ever been of old. When David called on God, how do you do the horrible sins that David does, and then you call on God to forgive you? How do you do that? How do you rape a wife and murder her husband, and then call on God to forgive you? How did he do it? In Psalm 51, 1, he starts off and he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Psalm 103, verse four. Psalm 103, verse five, four. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. But no one should be deceived or presume that God's just gonna carte blanche, forgive any person unless that person fears God, repents of their sin, and calls on the name of the Lord Jesus to save them. Because God makes that very clear in Numbers 14, 18. Numbers 14, 18. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. See, it's forgiving iniquity and transgression when he's called upon. 
And in John 3.16, that's the whole idea with that provision there. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And here's the provision that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Not everyone, but just whosoever believes into him. So it's significant in verse 13 that Jacob describes the flocks as with me. The flocks are with me. You know, it's a, it's a good thing to look at a family. A husband should look at a family and says, you know, my wife is with me. My children are with me. And when he's, because when he says that, he's owning responsibility to take care of them. And then he says he feared for their death from just one day of being overdriven. He's just told Esau. Esau's pace was not acceptable because the children are tender and the animals will die from being overdriven. It, oh, is there some other reason that you can think of Is there some other reason that Jacob maybe didn't tell Esau for why his pace was not acceptable? Any other reason? Yeah, he couldn't walk. He was Chester. (laughs) He couldn't walk. He's got a limp. He can't keep up with Esau's pace. He's got just had his hip out of joint. He didn't mention that to Esau, you know. Okay, never mind. All right, so now (laughs) Jacob has given the reasons to Esau, and we see that in verse 14. Verse 13, let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before his servant. I'll lead on softly according to the cattle that goeth before me and the children be able to endure till I come unto my Lord and see her. See, Jacob says to Esau, he should go before Jacob. That's self-sacrificing on his part. He let, he's letting the opportunity pass. And when Jacob heard that, he wondered himself, boy, that doesn't sound like the same brother I knew when I was growing up. You go before me? It was always the opposite. He sees a changed person here. He says, Jacob was never willing to let Esau go before him. Jacob's mission in life was to push Esau out of the way. But now he's saying, you go first. He's a changed person. And Jacob says something that we have not seen in him before in verse 13. I will lead on softly. He says, it's not the words that we know about Jacob the driver. It's the words of Jacob who's changed. He's gentle. He's tender. He's got a caring heart like of a mother nursing a child, nursing her baby. You know, a mother nursing her baby, it's the ultimate picture of tenderness and gentle, loving care. And we know that only mothers nurse their children. But God calls that picture out and told kings to lovingly, tenderly care for his people in the same way as a nursing mother. And he calls the kings in Isaiah 49, 23, nursing fathers, and the king shall be thy nursing fathers, he says. Moses understood, he understood this, that he was called by God to lovingly, tenderly care for God's people, and he calls himself nursing father in Numbers eleven twelve. that thou should say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father, buryeth the sucking child. This caring, this lovingness, this tenderness of a nursing mother is how Paul described, as we heard before, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So in verse 14, Jacob described what would determine his pace. Jacob told Esau, your pace, he says, my pace is going to be determined by what the cattle and what the children are able to endure. And what we see Jacob doing here is important for us because it's a spirit that we should imitate of the gentleness and the consideration. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, Isaiah 40, 11, it says, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. 
So he says again in John 10, verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So these words that Jacob used here, be able to endure, they're, 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 they show this tender shepherd idea, you know, and the picture of Jacob caring for the cattle and the children and setting the pace according to what they can endure, it's a picture for us of what God allows in our lives. You know, I tell you, I have a bad habit, I'll confess it to you, I have a bad habit, that whenever I do something that um, I shouldn't do, like I shouldn't have tried to chop the celery with the serrated knife, and my having my finger that looked like a piece of celery and almost chopped my finger off here. I have a big scar from there today. Yeah, I did that. I shouldn't have dropped the pork chop into the plate of 500-degree oil without gloves on. I have second-degree burn from there. And I have others, too. I can show you if you doubt me, but it doesn't matter. Um, every time I do that, something like that, my first response is I always say, oh, no, that's what I do. <laughs> I don't know. It's really a cry for turn the clock back, please. <laughs> Redo this one. Can we rewrite this as if it didn't happen? Well, I don't like it when I do that, but I do that. Anyway, God monitors what happens to us, and he only allows what happens as we're able to endure it. He says that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, such as common to man. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be contempted above that you are able God controls the filters, but will with the temptation also make a way up to escape that you may be able to bear it. So just as Jacob said that the pace would be determined by what the cattle and the children are able to endure, those are his words, able to endure, so the troubles in our lives are determined by God by what we are able to endure, able to endure. Now, uh, we come now to verse 17, and we see at last Jacob is on his way home. He's homeward bound. Anyways, that's what he is, for Hebron. Uh, verse 17, Jacob journeyed to Sukkot, Sukkot. And um, uh, Sukkot's interesting, you know, Sukkot means booths, and it's named that because he built booths for his cattle. When we uh, lived in Lakeside, I used to build a lot of these 10 by 10 sheds for our animals, and my wife Cheryl said that she was calling the place Sukkot because <laughs> that's all we had was booths around. Anyway, so as we look at Jacob now moving on, we can see that, Poor Jacob is just emotionally shattered. He's shattered emotionally. I mean, he's just gone through. He's gone through a near fatal encounter with Laban that ended with a truce treaty. He's gone through an all-night struggle with God that ended with Jacob being reconciled with God. He he sees God face to face. He receives a new name. He gets a new limp. (laughs) Now there was all this crying, emotional outpour from the meeting of Esau with the complete reconciliation. When Jacob's still standing, this has been pretty rough emotionally on Jacob. And it's understandable that at this point in Jacob's life, he just needs a rest. So what we're seeing here when he reaches Sukkot in verse 17, he built him a house. So Jacob builds himself a house. As we look at Jacob, we sympathize with him as we see him build his, his first house, his first house of his own. We're happy for Jacob. He finally builds himself a first house, and we hope his house is spacious and it's got a nice location and good weather, nice garden. See, he's almost 100 years old, and, and these have been some pretty rough 100 years on this, on, of his life. And as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact about Jacob's life, toward the end of his life, Jacob is in this book going to stand before Pharaoh. And Jacob's rough life must have really shown on his face because when Pharaoh looks at him, Pharaoh's got only one question. It's, how old are you? (laughs) 
you know, he must have looked like he was a thousand years old. And Jacob told Pharaoh, you know, how old he was. It seems like Jacob was saying, you know, to, to Pharaoh, look, you know, I know I'm a little shocking to look at. So let me tell you why I look so old. And he commented on his life in Genesis 47, Genesis 47, 7, Genesis 47, 7. It says, Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, how old art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the life the days of the years of my life been and not obtained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. So this is how he explains to Pharaoh in why he looks so old. Because he says, Pharaoh, there's two words that I I want to use to describe my life. Few and evil. (laughs) Days of my life. Few and evil. In other words, Jacob told, told Pharaoh that his days were few because he was really not that old. And his few days have been evil. In other words, rough. And so when Jacob said to Pharaoh that his days had been few, he was saying to Pharaoh that life hasn't been easy and I'm ready for heaven. And it's just like Paul says in in, in 2 Timothy 3.12, yea, 2 Timothy 3.12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So any believer who chooses to live a godly life will suffer persecution. Persecution's not easy. Persecution, it makes a person long for heaven. And any person, now you say, okay, well, then I'm not going to choose godliness. I mean, that's who wants that, right? But any believer who chooses to go the easy road and not live a life of holiness, he'll experience a certain love of God, talked about in Hebrews 12, 6, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. receiveth. So you can't win. <laughs> Either way, persecution or chastening. You makes a person long for heaven, and you say with Jacob, few and evil have been the days of the years. It's interesting that when Jacob went back to focus on his life, he didn't say few and evil have been the weeks of the years of my life. He didn't say few and evil have been the months of the years of my life, but Jacob said few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. So Jacob thought about the days. He thought about the day he had to flee from home and the day that he woke up with Leah when he thought, as his wife, when he thought it was going to be Rachel and the day that Laban caught up with him wanting to kill him. And he says, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And, and by the way, what will you and I see when you and I do what Jacob did and look back over the days of the years of our lives? You know, I've been preparing for the message for Esther Montag's memorial service. And I was thinking about uh, what to ask her daughter to fill me in about that I didn't know about Esther. You know, as believers, we all have a life with God. And so I wanted to know about her life with God. And so I asked her daughter, tell me some of the instances in Esther's life where you could see that she was trusting the Lord. Because those are the times that God celebrates in the life of Esther. But Jacob doesn't, he does, Jacob is really charming here when we look at this about Jacob because he doesn't have any idea what's remaining at this point in Genesis 33. He doesn't have any idea what's remaining of those few and evil days that they're going to make up the rest of his life. And no one's telling him. Well, we know because we have the chapters. But no one's, is telling, no one's telling us. about. We don't have any idea about the storms that you and I are going to have to face in life. But both we and Jacob, we have the same shepherd God. But for the moment, 
We see Jacob. He's happily building his house. Such a happy time. Oh, build a house, move into a house. Just like us. Happy time. Rebuild the chapel, move back in the chapel. <laughs> and when we see Jacob here building a house, we realize at this point in his life, Jacob has fled home, lost his mother and father because of a brother who vowed to kill him, walked right into the spider web of a greedy Uncle Laban, ended up with four wives. He only wanted one, but he got four. A home that was more like a war zone. Made a truce with Laban, wrestled with God, made peace with God, ended up with a new name, new limp for the rest of his life, made peace with Esau. Maybe Jacob is sort of thinking to himself, you know, he's building his house. Oh, boy, that's been, that's been, my life's been something. At long last, I can settle down and relax. You know, maybe he's thinking his troubles are over. And for the rest of his life, it's just going to be, that's 100 years old, smooth sailing. But we have what Jacob does not have, which is the rest of these chapters after 33. And we know what Jacob does not know. And we know what's coming up next for Jacob. And we see Jacob building a house, and we hope he gets a good rest because he's going to need it. (laughs) Because what's next that he doesn't know about? The rape of his daughter, Dinah next chapter, who right now is around six years old. Shechem's offer to intermarry, uh, that there should be an intermarriage. A fanatical revenge of Jacob's two sons, Levi and Simeon. The lying, treacherous plot of Levi and Simeon to murder a whole community of people. A bloody wedding of Dinah and Shechem that ends in this cruel massacre of the community with the sacking of the community. Jacob, having to pass the judgment of cruel murder on his two sons, Levi and Simeon, for their unjustified crime against this community, the lie that his favorite son, Joseph, was killed by wild beast, while Jacob's sons really sold him into Egypt, and a life-threatening famine. Apart from that, he's going to have a great life. <laughs> you know, you think about all that's awaiting him, it exhausts you. It's like, oh, man. It's amazing. He doesn't have any idea what's coming around the corner. And all he knows is nice. In verse 17, Jacob journeys to Sukkot, built him a house. It's a good thing that he doesn't know about all the storms that he's going to face as he's building his house. We look at Jacob building his house in verse 17. He has no knowledge with the rest of the chapter. We don't have any, we, we don't have any idea what the rest of the chapters in our life. What's the rest of the chapters in the book of our lives going to be? God knows. And God doesn't tell Jacob about all the trials he has to face in his life. God just provides Jacob this time now of a refreshing tranquility here for Jacob uh, to be strengthened, to be built up for what he's got to meet here. You know, at the end of this chapter, he builds himself an altar. It's great. He knows he needs repair. He knows he needs an altar. Time alone with God, he takes it. And God says in Deuteronomy 33, 25, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. There's going to be some really hard days ahead for Jacob, but God promises, you're going to have a faithful shepherd in me, and I'll give you the strength for each day. We'll get through this together. We don't know exactly what's going to be coming around the corner for us, but we know what this verse promises, that as our days, so shall our strength be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the God of Jacob, and thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to look into how you, Lord, were Jacob's God in the days of his life. And help us, Lord, to trust you also in Jesus' name. Amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. On opening day, September 25th, we'll have Phil's Barbecue with special guest musician Jim Earp. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 